Hey, good morning. Welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. Thanks for tuning in. If you've got your Bibles today, I want to invite you to go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is in the New Testament, and it's one of the letters that the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to the church. And uh, since we're the church, we're going to look at a, a special passage uh, from Ephesians 2 this morning. Uh, my name is Brian Goke. I'm the pastor here at Faith, and I uh, just want to invite you to, to join in as we go through God's Word together today. Let us pray. God, we thank you uh, for a new day, for a new season, for a new time uh, to open your word, Lord, uh, that you might speak fresh, encouraging words to us today and every day. Lord, as I uh, share with the, the good people who listen in, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, the National Basketball League uh, has been canceled, National Hockey League canceled, Major League Soccer canceled, Major League Baseball canceled, uh, March Madness Basketball canceled, uh, the Masters Golf canceled, the Boston Marathon canceled, uh, all professional, collegiate, high school, middle school sports canceled. Uh, everything's been canceled. But it's not just the sports, it's also the fine arts. Broadway shows canceled. Community theater shows canceled. From New York to Hollywood, all theater shows are canceled. Rock concerts canceled. Orchestra concerts canceled. Over a thousand casinos across the United States are shutting down, or at least their buffet lines are. College campuses are canceled. Uh, elementary, junior high, and high schools are canceled. Civic groups canceled. Social groups canceled. Transportation has nearly shut down with all sorts of flights canceled, trains canceled, buses canceled. The entire cruise industry is canceled uh, for now. Yesterday, I went into a hotel uh, uh, here in town. Uh, the parking lot was completely empty. I went inside to talk to the people at the front desk, and they told me that everyone had canceled their hotel reservations for the weekend. Now, you probably know that Bloomington Normal uh, was supposed to be hosting the Special Olympics State Basketball Tournament just a few weeks ago, you couldn't get a room in this town. Booked, everything was booked to capacity. Today, the hotel rooms are empty. Even our governmental agencies are impacted. The libraries are closed, park and recreation canceled. The primary election for this Tuesday is looking tenuous. Even the jails and the prison system uh, are limiting visitors. The Illinois General Assembly has canceled next week's session. Museums, public and private, are closed. And those of you who are still working at State Farm, Country, or everything in, be in between have been told to work from home. Some of you have lost your jobs. Some of you are trying to figure out how long it's going to be before you lose your job. And then there's you retired folks. You're looking at your 401ks, uh, largely attached to the stock market, calculating all that money that has just gone uh, in a matter of days. 
And even if you do have money stashed away, what are you going to spend it on? You go to the grocery store and it's been like an apocalypse has showed up there uh, with empty shelves. And if you don't have a stash of toilet paper, good luck because the, tr the leaves on the trees aren't going to be growing for a few more weeks. Is anyone feeling just a little bit panicked in this unprecedented season of shutdowns, cancellations, and uncertainties? Well, at least you can count on the church as a place where you can go and receive comfort and sanctuary. Of course, until you get an email from your pastor saying that even live weekend services have been canceled. Stay home. Don't gather together with the people of God to worship Jesus. Just tune in online. Happy Sunday. You know, there's no way to cut it. Uh, we are living in uh, precarious times for sure. Uh, you, you know, even unprecedented and so as we think about today, and as if I shared some of those cancellations with you, uh, you might be thinking, you know, how do we move forward? What do we do? What do we do? How do we move forward? The first thing I want to share with you uh, this morning, even before we look at Scripture, is that we do what God's people have always done. We look to God's word for guidance, to the words of God who have guided God's people through generations for hundreds and thousands of years. See, for us, we tend to think uh, that this is um, uh, a, a moment in time that's just never happened before. But the truth is, we have been living in a very short season of prosperity, of stability, of wealth, like most of human history has not known. For the vast majority of human history, especially church history, of Christian history, the people of God have lived in a time and in a place where the world was shaking, where the feet, uh, their feet uh, felt like the ground underneath them was unsettled. See, what we're living through now is actually what God's people have lived through for the vast majority of time. We just, this just happens to be the season. And so we come to God's word and we look at Jesus's word. The second thing that God's people have done is they've looked to the faithful, the church, uh, those around them who are li uh, faithfully living out uh, their faith in Jesus Christ to guide them and to navigate them. And the third thing uh, that people have done, especially over the past 2,000 years, is looked to the words of Jesus Christ and his actions, not only what he spoke, but how he lived his life uh, to guide them uh, through perilous and uncertain times. And if you've been coming to faith uh, recently, uh, you know that we are in the middle of a sermon series called the Red Letter Challenge. And the Red Letter Challenge is simply red letters, meaning the words of scriptures that Jesus actually spoke. Uh, and the challenge is, uh, is the action part, right? It's that part where uh, Jesus not only lived out what he spoke, but then it's the invitation for us to live out uh, the words of what Jesus spoke. And so uh, many of you have the Red Letter Challenge, a 40-day devotional. 
And uh, today, actually, we're on day 20. Um, and so if you've got your devotional, you should be on day 20 today. And uh, your, your bookmark uh, should be about halfway through. And so I hope you're enjoying uh, the Red Letter Challenge as uh, we go through this, uh, these 40 days of Lent together. The Red Letter Challenge uh, began uh, a couple weeks ago where we were looking at this idea of what it means to be with Jesus, to connect with Jesus. And I don't know about you, but when I think about G being with Jesus and resting in Jesus, it reminds me of that uh, poem, uh, Footprints in the Sand. And many of you know that uh, I recently spent a few weeks at the beach with my family, and it was it was a couple weeks in, in southern Georgia of just uh, walking along uh, on the sandy shores, uh, no shoes, sand between our toes, listening to seagulls, breathing in the fresh ocean air, hearing the waves crashing, and every now and then the, 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 the water would come up around our ankles and remind us that it was not and still is not swimming season. But for hours on end, we would walk along the beach, um, just renewing our souls and being together uh, as a family. And I got to tell you, more than once, I thought about uh, that very familiar poem uh, called Footprints in the Sand. So as we think about what it means uh, to experience um, being or rest with Jesus, I want you to hear these words again uh, from the poem of Footprints in the Sand. One night I dreamed a dream as I was walking along the beach with my Lord. Across the dark sky flashed scenes for my life. For each scene I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me. So I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed during the saddest, most troublesome times in my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you the most, you would leave me. He whispered, my precious child, I love you and will never leave you. Never ever during your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. This poem reminds us that in seasons, all seasons of life, Jesus comes to us. He rescues us. He carries us. And he holds us. 
And as I think about footprints in the sand, as I think about the days and the times in which we're living, I, I'm reminded of the, the many, many times that the Apostle Paul was writing to the church, to God's people, encouraging them, reminding them uh, that God hadn't forgotten or abandoned uh, them, but that God was still holding them and carrying them uh, through the most difficult and challenging of times. The Apostle Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians. Uh, he was in jail. Uh, Paul was not in a comfortable place. Uh, he was in a cold, dark, uh, uncomfortable jail uh, cell, not knowing where his next meal would likely come from, not knowing what his torture might be for the day, not knowing if he would ever be released or uh, simply executed on the spot. And so as we read these words from the Apostle Paul uh, to the church in Ephesus, a church in, uh, in modern-day Turkey today, Paul is writing from a place of great hardship and struggle, and he's writing to a church uh, in a place of great hardship and struggle. And over and over through many of Paul's writings, uh, he's writing this theme of how God comes to us, how God rescues us. And so I want to read these very uh, powerful words again to you uh, this morning to remind you uh, that God is carrying you and holding you in whatever is going on in your life. So again, Ephesians 2 beginning with verse 1. Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Paul makes an incredible distinction about the ways of the world and the ways of following Jesus and being in Christ. He says the ways of the world leads to death, but the ways of Christ lead to life. He says, when you followed the ways of the world, you were dead in your transgressions, in your sins. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms of Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches, that's the life of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And then he writes it again so we don't miss it, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works so that anyone can boast. 
Paul makes it crystal clear that apart from Christ, we are dead. That's the consequence of sin. It's death. We're, we're, we're in the darkness. But he says, in the midst of the darkness, Christ comes to us, and he is the light of the world. He rescues us. He picks us up. He carries us. And again, I think about footprints in the sand, and, he, and whatever season, whatever struggle, whatever hardship, uh, we're going through. He is there with us and holding us. And he reminds us that this is not what we do. This is not how we get through life, but it is truly through being with and resting in the arms of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul doesn't just stop there. Because in Ephesians uh, 2, uh, verse 10, he continues on, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God's really got two purposes uh, for our life. Number one, to be in relationship with him, to be in relationship with Jesus. That is our primary uh, purpose in life is to nurture this relationship with Jesus. And that's why we started with being, because it's so important to stay connected to Jesus day in and day out through the good and through the bad. And the second purpose uh, that Paul reminds us uh, is he says that we are God's handiwork. We're created, he says, uh, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So our first purpose is being in relationship with Jesus. And our second purpose is to do good works. Now, I want to pause here for just a second because I think this whole idea uh, between works and grace, uh, so many people get stuck on. And so I want to just kind of pause and camp out on this idea of the relationship uh, between works and grace. Um, and, and, and the order matters, right? Um, and, and I see two errors that oftentimes people fall into uh, as it relates to works and grace. And the first error is simply this, is people put works uh, before grace or the relationship with God. And over and over and over, well-meaning people, Christ followers, think that they've got to do works, they've got to do service to earn uh, that relationship with God so that when we do things, God's like, ah, way to go, nice job, and that helps grow in our relationship with God. And that's the wrong order. It's not works, then relationship or grace with God. It's the other way around. First, God rescues First, God saves. He comes to us. We, the, the first nine verses uh, of this chapter are all about grace upon grace. It's about relationship. And then in verse 10, Paul finally gets to, after we've, we're sure that we're certain, that we know that first it's about rescue. It's about that gift that God gives us so that we can do good works. We don't do good works so that we earn favor with God, but God rescues us, he carries us, he saves us so that, and the order matters, and oftentimes uh, even well-meaning Christians get this wrong. So that's the first error uh, as it relates to uh, works and grace. But the second error is every bit as uh, troublesome as it relates to works and grace. 
Oftentimes, uh, people will spend, uh, well-meaning Jesus followers will spend all their time on uh, uh, verses one through nine, and it's all about grace, and it's all about grace, and it's all about grace. It's all about me and Jesus. It's all about Jesus and me. And so uh, many, again, well-meaning Christians get inside their, their bubble and, and, the, and the works just kind of fall off. They fall away and it's just grace upon grace upon grace. And that's a mistake. And Paul tells us in verse 10, we are God's handiwork. We are created. It's, it's our purpose to be in relationship with God and to do good works. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us to do in advance. And as I think about uh, this error um, I'm reminded of, of my youth ministry days. Uh, many years ago, I was uh, doing youth ministry in Minnesota, and I came across another poem uh, that's similar uh, to Footprints in the Sand, um, and it's a little crass, uh, but I think it really gets at the point of uh, what we need, uh, this, this second purpose for our lives. And so the poem uh, goes something like this. One night I had a wondrous dream one set of footprints there was seen, the footprints of my precious Lord, but mine were not along the shore. But then some stranger prints appeared, and I asked the Lord, what have we here? Those prints are large and round and neat, but Lord, they are too big for feet. My child, he said in somber tones, for miles I carried you alone. I challenged you to walk in faith, but you refused and made me wait. You disobeyed, you would not grow. The walk of faith, you would not know. So I got tired, I got fed up, and there I dropped you on your butt. Because in life there comes a time when one must fight and one must climb. When one must rise and take a stand or leave their butt prints in the sand. Now there are some theological problems uh, with that poem for sure. And the most uh, problematic theological uh, problem in that poem is that God gets fed up. God gets tired of you. But scripture tells us from Genesis through Revelation that God never gets tired of you, that God is endlessly patient with you for as long as you walk on this earth. He doesn't get tired of you and just drop you on your rear. But what I like about this poem is that at the heart of it, being a Christ follower, a disciple of Jesus, it means about being in relationship with him, walking with him, allowing him to carry and rescue us. But it also means doing good works so that others may know him as well. See, we are God's plan for sharing and bearing this message to the world. 
And sometimes we do it with words, and sometimes we do it with actions, and sometimes we do it with words and actions. You know, I'm reminded of uh, the most famous sermon uh, that Jesus ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew recorded it, and we find it in verse 5. And there's just a little bit I want to share with you. Jesus, as he's preaching this extraordinary sermon about what it means to be a Christ follower, Jesus looks at the crowd on that day, and he says, You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Jesus says, I've got work for you to do. Your first assignment is to be in relationship with me. But your second assignment is to let the light of Jesus Christ shine and reflect through you. And you might be thinking to yourselves, well, how do I do that? We've been told to stay home and to hunker down. How do I do that? Everything has been canceled. And I want to share with you during this precarious season of uncertainty about what's happening in the world, I can't think of a better time for you, the church, to be the light of Christ to those who are fearful, to those who are living in darkness. And you're thinking, how do I do that? We've been instructed to stay home and not go out. But I wanna remind you that getting outdoors is not canceled. Music is not canceled. Family is not canceled. Reading is not canceled. Singing is not canceled. Laughing is not canceled. Hope in Jesus Christ is not canceled, which means prayer is not canceled. Singing hymns of the church at your house, in your car or outdoors, wherever you are at, is not canceled. Reading the Bible is not canceled. Texting your loved ones is not canceled. Calling an old friend is not canceled. Sending an email to that person or those people that you sit next to regularly in worship is not canceled. Writing a letter to the men and women who serve our community and the police, the firefighters, the first responders, that's not canceled. Maybe even waving and smiling at your next door neighbor, neighbors. And for crying out loud, when you go to the grocery store and stand in line for two hours waiting to check out, be nice to the checkout person because loving others is not canceled. Let's embrace who we are as children of God, our being with God, our relationship with Jesus. And let's again commit to being the light of Christ and allowing the light of our lives to shine before others.
that they may see our good deeds and not draw attention to ourselves, but truly glorifying, uh, truly glorifying our Father in heaven. And others might just see this light and decide to follow Jesus too. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you again for the light that continues to br shine brightly in this dark and foreboding world. And God, while it seems like we are living in unprecedented times, it's not. For hundreds and thousands of years, your people have faced obstacles, challenge, uncertainty, hardship, and it felt like the ground beneath their feet was falling apart. And so God, help us to look to those people. Help us look to your word. Help us to look to you, the very words that you spoke and the actions of how uh, so many of the faithful have lived out what it means to be a Christ follower. God, may we be light bearers in this world, people who bring hope and people who share your love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.